Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. As a park ranger, I had always taken pride in my knowledge of the wilderness and ability to handle whatever Mother Nature threw at me. But nothing could have prepared me for the night I found myself trapped in my station during a violent storm with a pack of wolves on my tail. The storm had rolled in suddenly, bringing with it torrential rains, hurricane-force winds, and an eerie darkness that enveloped the park. 
I had been out on patrol when it hit, and I quickly retreated to the safety of my station. Little did I know my sanctuary would soon become my prison. As the storm raged outside, I noticed movement in the shadows just beyond the reach of my station's meager lighting. At first, I dismissed it as my imagination playing tricks on me, but as the night wore on, I became increasingly certain that I was being watched. It wasn't long before I caught a glimpse of my pursuers, a pack of wolves, their eyes glowing with a sinister hunger as they stalked me from the darkness. I knew I was no match for these supernatural creatures, and with my resources quickly dwindling, I would have to rely on my wits and knowledge of the wilderness to survive the night. I quickly went to work, using my knowledge of the park's layout to my advantage. I set traps and obstacles throughout the station, hoping to buy myself some time and keep the wolves at bay. As they closed in, I could hear their guttural growls and the sound of their claws scraping against the walls of the station. My heart pounded in my chest as I raced through the station, narrowly avoiding the snapping jaws and slashing claws of my relentless pursuers. Each time they came close, I managed to outsmart them, using the terrain and my knowledge of their behavior against them. As the storm began to subside, I knew I had to make my move. With the wolves temporarily distracted by one of my traps, I seized the opportunity to slip out of the station and into the now-dying storm. I scrambled through the woods, using every ounce of my wilderness expertise to navigate the treacherous terrain, and it evaded the wolves hot on my trail. As the first light of dawn broke through the storm clouds, I felt a surge of hope. I knew that daylight would weaken the wolves, and with my knowledge of the park and my unwavering determination, I managed to put enough distance between myself and my supernatural pursuers. Exhausted but alive, I emerged from the woods as the storm finally passed, leaving behind a world forever changed by the knowledge of the horrors that lurk in the shadows. And although I would continue my work as a park ranger, I knew I would never again underestimate the power of the unknown and the darkness that lies just beyond the edge of the light. My two friends and I were deer and elk hunting. I had been hunting alone for deer while my friends went after elk. At the end of the second day, we had decided to all hunt together and go after a small herd of elk that they had been pushing around. The general area consists of a large meadow approximately one one-half miles long times, three-fourth miles wide. It is surrounded by mountains approximately 500 feet higher than the meadow floor. We were to hunt the west end of the meadow and up into the mountains. Upon reaching our spot, we located the elk feeding through a small field to the south and about halfway up. Friend one was going to head straight up and cut southeast through the field. Brandon and I headed southeast from the beginning but stayed low. Upon reaching the east side of the field, we headed straight up and waited for friend one to push the elk to us. Brandon set up about 100 yards above me on the trail. After about 20 minutes of waiting, I heard a call coming from the west side of the field. I assumed this was friend one making his way to us. To me, it sounded like the type of call an animal makes when it is alarmed. This really bugged me. It was not the soft, reassuring cow call that I thought he should be making. The sound was very rhythmic. You could have played a tune to it. This was also very annoying. I thought, you are over calling. Shut up already. 
Just about this time, Brandon lets out a couple of bugles, so I figured that he had friend one in sight. The call came into the field and then abruptly turned south up the hill and then turned east again. It called the entire time. It would have gone almost exactly in between Brandon and myself if it kept the same course. I was glassing the field, trying to see friend one, but I saw nothing. I know that I was looking directly at where the call was coming from, but there was nothing to see. This probably took about 10 to 15 minutes. Then the call stopped. I figured Brandon and friend one had met up on the trail, so I started to head down as it was getting pretty dark at this time. About 20 yards down, I heard a sound behind me. It was Brandon coming down. I stopped and waited. I asked him where friend one was. He said that he had not seen him, but that they had not seen him, but that the elk were now on their way to the next county. Then I asked him if he had heard the call come across the field. He said no. I started to explain the sound when it started up again. Now it was across the trail to the east. It must have waited for Brandon to pass, then crossed. I shut up real quick so he could hear it, but it stopped again. That it started again, but this time it was quite a ways away. He thought he had heard it, but could not be sure. I jokingly said something about the stick Indians trying to lure us off in the woods. I have never heard a call like this in the woods before. Never. It was fairly low in tone, like an owl, but it had a real hollow sound to it. It reminded me of those blow-pop whistles that you had when you were a kid, only stressed or alarmed. That is the only way I can explain it. We started walking back to the truck. About halfway there, we noticed that friend one was already there. We could see the interior lights on. We asked him how the push went and if he had seen the elk. He said no. Then I asked him if he had heard the call in the field. He said no and that he hadn't even made it to the field before coming down. Brandon and I left it at that. It is important for me to stress that at no time did I feel in danger. Remember that for most of this time I'm assuming that it is my friend messing up our evening hunt. A few days later I called up Brandon and asked him if we could go back in there. I told him I thought there was a good chance of Bigfoot being in that area. He said that was funny because he had gone back in there to hunt those elk again and something strange happened to him. He was back in the field only at the top this time. He was planning to cut it straight down the middle. As he started in, he heard a sound that he described as someone taking a baseball bat and smacking it as hard as possible against a tree. He thought it was a woodpecker at first, but it was too loud. And like the call, it was rhythmic and too slow for a woodpecker. Deer or elk antlers were out of the question. As he continued further into the field, it suddenly got faster. The sound was coming from some dense forest to the east of him. At this point, he stopped turned and exited the field, choosing to hunt on a course that would take him back to his truck. On the way, he entered a smaller field which was covered with molehills. In one of these, he found a track. It was not much longer than his, but it was easily three or so inches wider. Brandon wears an 11. He got pictures and said that it would have been castable. He said it could have been a bear track, but was not entirely sure. He then went on to tell me that the elk we had pushed the other day had acted real strange. He didn't think much of it until now. When he had got above me on the trail, he saw the elk below, headed down the field towards the place where friend one should have been. They suddenly stopped at a 90 turn and ran back up the hill. The elk had been calmly walking. This is when he tried calling to stop them. 
I have listened to the calls on your site. None of them match exactly. The tsunami's calls are very close, but this was deeper. Your calls are intermittent. The sounds I heard were as steady as a drumbeat. First, my friend Mike and I, along with two girls, were at the city park and heard it from Bellow from the hill behind us. Three days later, we went back again, and this time I saw it. I thought it was a tall pole, but it looked to be wavering in the breeze that was blowing. I called Mike over to look, but it wasn't there. Then it caught my eye. We saw it walking up the hill where we had heard it earlier. My second sighting was at our family farm, three miles away from the first sighting. I and my friend Bill rode out to the farm that evening to check on things since nobody lived in the house there. As we turned into the driveway, the headlight swung, and there it stood, stepping over a five-strand barbed wire fence. It had its hands on the top wire and was swinging its leg over. Its eyes glowed in the light like an animal's. We left in a hurry. I used to do a lot of rock climbing in the Sierra Nevadas. My climbing partner and I also liked to cave and just roam, check out whatever we found. We were hiking and climbing below the giant bridge in Northern California, everyone base jumps from. Below it we found an abandoned mine with a concrete plug in the main entrance. But we found a path going up the hill a bit and followed it. We found an air shaft that had been opened. So we did our normal, got ropes set up and lowered ourselves in. We had headlamps and were armed. We weren't worried. We went down the tunnels checking random stuff out for 15, 20 minutes or so, no big deal. It was pretty neat. Then it was a big deal and not neat. We found a door cut in the rock that led to a small chamber, like 15 by 15, something like that. The entire room was painted gold with weird symbols everywhere. There was a center rock pedestal, exactly like an altar, which had symbols painted on it as well. Circles with lines through them and dots, just weird symbols. Nothing I could tie to any religion I'm aware of. There was dried blood everywhere. It dries like a brownish red. And it was everywhere. On the stone in the center, all over the walls, everywhere. The room was completely clean. Otherwise, no rock rubble, trash, paint cans, nothing. Like it had been swept. We looked at each other, said, oh, no, and, and got the fout of there. We tried to tell the authorities, but they either didn't believe us or they didn't want to go down there. We never went back. I was hiking in the Wind River Mountains in Kane across two creeps scaring a young college girl to tears. She was doing stream samples for some study, alone, and they happened along and started harassing her. They told Hay she couldn't leave until she showed them something. Despite not having any signal, I told them I was on the phone with the ranger's office. And I also had my point forty-five visible on my hip, and I escorted her out of there, back down the trail, and back to her car, looking over my shoulder the whole time. Once she was safe and I got signal, I did call the ranger's office and local police and told them what happened. I was a junior park ranger newly stationed at Yosemite National Park. 
I had only been on the job for a few weeks, but I was excited to be out in the wilderness, working to protect and preserve one of the most beautiful places on earth. One morning I received an emergency call from a camper who had become lost deep in the woods. My supervisor sent me to rescue him, and I eagerly set off on my mission. As I hiked deeper into the forest, the towering trees blocked out the sun, and the only sound was the crunching of my boots on the forest floor. I'd been searching for hours when I heard something rustling in the bushes up ahead. I cautiously approached, thinking it might be the lost camper, but what I saw was unlike anything I could have imagined. Standing before me was a creature unlike anything I had ever seen. It was tall and humanoid in shape, but its skin was a mottled dark brown and its eyes were black and soulless. Large leathery wings protruded from its back and it had a long sharp beak that looked capable of tearing flesh. It was a mothman creature and it was terrifying. I froze in place, unable to move as the creature lunged at me. I managed to dodge out of the way at the last moment, but one of its wings brushed against my arm, leaving a deep gash. I stumbled backwards, my mind racing as I tried to think of a way to defend myself. The creature let out an ear, piercing screech and took flight, disappearing into the trees. I felt a surge of relief that it was gone, but I knew I needed to get help fast. I reached for my radio, but there was no response when I called for assistance. I was lost in the woods and alone with a monster on the loose. I tried to make my way back to the trailhead, but it was as if the forest was against me. Every time I thought I was getting close, I found myself in a thicket of thorns or a marshy bog. I couldn't shake the feeling that I was being watched, and I knew that the creature was out there, stalking me. As the day turned into night and the darkness closed in, my fear turned to desperation. I was lost, injured, and alone in the woods with a terrifying creature hunting me. I knew that if I didn't find a way out... Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Soon, it was only a matter of time before the Mothman found me. I thought about my family, my friends, my dreams, and all the things I would never be able to accomplish. I knew that it was the end for me. The creature killed me or I will die of hunger and exposure. My fate would remain a mystery, another unsolved case of a missing park ranger in the wilds of Yosemite. But the Mothman creature, that terrifying being, it would continue to haunt the woods waiting for its next victim. And for anyone who dared to venture too deep into the wilderness, the memory of my encounter would be a chilling warning of the dangers that lurked in the shadows. Hey there, this encounter isn't mine, but it is my partner's. She has spoken to me many times about this when we exchange weird or scary encounters we've experienced 
Hers are always way more exciting than mine, given that she sorta tracks this type of stuff. Anyways, I've asked her if I could post it here on Reddit so she can have some insight or something to help identify this thing or even have people come out and share if they have had a similar encounter with. Enough with my rambling. Here we go. For this, we'll call my partner all. Al was about 14, 15 years old when all this went down. Living in New Mexico, we aren't strangers to weird sightings and whatnot, skinwalkers, spirits, etc., but it's still very frightening. She lived in a trailer park outside of Farmington, in the middle of Kirtland, if that makes sense. This trailer park was practically in the middle of nowhere next to the hills, as well call them, and more so specifically for her because her trailer was in the very last row of the trailer park. It was next to, to a little playground, which then lead to empty hills. That'll be important for later. Before the whole sighting she had, there were some weird occurrences prior to that. This all happened around February, June in 2015. Al would hear taps on her window, specifically three loud taps like someone was banging on her on it. She said that you could tell it was still a little tap since she could hear a nail or fingernails, if you will. One night while staying up late and playing video games, June, Al eventually got sick and tired of hearing those taps every single night around 1-2 a.m., she had decided to look out her window to see what it was. She thought it could have been a tree or maybe a random druggie, but oh boy no, it wasn't. After she lifted the makeshift curtain blanket, she didn't have blinds. A saw, a hunched, gray-skinned, humanoid thing. It was very thin and bony, having very long appendages. The way it was hunched was as if someone was sneaking outside their friend's window, tapping it to get their friend's attention without getting caught. Its arm was retracting back as if it had just finished its tapping. Its hands had three fingers, long and bony, just like everything else about. The best way a can describe the way they looked would be think of a long finger that's sharp at the end like wooden stake that would be used to kill a vampire. Not exactly like claws, but not like a human finger either. Kind of like Salad Fingers Fingers, I think that's his name. Its face looked very stretched like it would fall off at any point. Its mouth was stuck into this creepy grin, grimace that perfectly showed its sharp, jagged teeth. Think of like a shark tooth or thick broken beer bottle glass. It didn't really have a nose, just the slits in the middle like Voldemort. The eyes were big, hollow holes, black and just an endless void that cover up the majority of the upper part of its head. When it saw, it stood up to its full height and stepped, not jumped, stepped over her seven-foot backyard fence and walked towards the playground I had mentioned earlier. The whole time it hobbled towards that direction, multiple dogs in that area were going haywire, barking and growing like an intruder was walking about. I was freaked out, obvious, and stepped away from the window and went about the rest of her night, terrified. A couple days later, specifically the day she turned fifteen, I heard another tap on her bedroom window that night, which she had ignored. Couple hours later, I woke up to the sound of something scratching her closet door from the inside. A, at this time, had no animals in the house. Hearing the scratching, she booked it out of room and slept in the living room that night. No incidents had occurred for a week after that until one day. I was home alone. 
her sister and mom had gone grocery shopping and wouldn't be home for a few hours. Being a teenager home alone, she was playing her video games in her room when she heard a voice somewhere in the house that sounded like her sister was calling her name. So assuming that they were back from grocery shopping, I left her room thinking her sister was calling her to help put up the groceries, but she found no one in the house. The car was still gone. I went back to her room dismissing what she heard and chalked it up to her imagination. Thirty minutes later, she heard it again. Previously, while looking, she checked every single room besides one. Her sister's room, which always unsettled her, and she was told to keep out of it, obviously, so she didn't bother looking in there. That's where the voice was coming from. As soon as I stepped through the door and turned on the light, she felt an unsettling presence in the air. The voice called out again, and it sounded garbled and echoey, kinda like it was reverb. I automatically knew it was coming from the bathroom, specifically the shower. So she closed the bathroom door and walked backwards, making sure to keep her eyes on the door to make sure it wouldn't swing back open and whoever this was wasn't charging at her. Turning off the bedroom light, eyes still trained on that door and shutting the bedroom door as well. Turning around, I noticed that the back door was wide open. Her stomach dropped and a chill ran up her spine. Nausea bubbled up in her gut as everything was setting in. Someone was in the, the house. Or rather, something. She slammed the back door shut and bolted back to her room, locking her door behind her. Being so mortified, I put headphones in to drown out any more noise of whatever was there could make and resumed her video games as a distraction. That was the last encounter I has ever had with whatever this thing was. She thinks the creature outside her window was the one in her closet scratching the door and house-mimicking her sister. I don't doubt that, but in my head, the mimicking thing sounds more like a skinwalker. I'm Native American and have grown up with those stories as my dad has had some experience with them, so naturally that's what it sounds to me, but I don't know. I also believes it could be some extraterrestrial being like an alien or something. Nothing else has happened besides a few unrelated supernatural encounters for a butt. She feels terrified if anything reminds her of this experience. It sends her into a more primal fear fight or flight mode that verges on a borderline panic attack. Every time I hear this story, personally, it makes me want to crap bricks. Sorry for my writing skills. I'm not the best storyteller, and I hope this post follows the guidelines because I really want other people to hear this and help her connect with others who maybe had a similar experience to hers. Feel free to ask any questions and I'll answer them. There's a bit more detail to this story, but I chose to summarize it. Thanks for reading. As a park ranger, I've always loved exploring the wilderness, and I've seen some strange things over the years but nothing could have prepared me for what I found deep in the heart of the park. It was a hot summer day and I was on patrol, making my way through a dense thicket of trees when I stumbled upon a small town. It was unlike anything I had ever seen before, and at first I thought I had stumbled upon some sort of movie set. The buildings were small and rustic, made of weathered wood and surrounded by gardens filled with herbs and vegetables. The people who lived there were Native Americans, and they all seemed to be busy with their daily tasks. 
They stopped and looked at me as if they were surprised to see me there. As I approached, I was greeted by a man who introduced himself as the leader of the community. He explained that they had been living there for generations in harmony with nature and each other. They had no interest in the outside world and preferred to keep to themselves. I was fascinated by their way of life, and I spent the next few hours talking to the locals and learning about their customs and traditions. But as the sun began to set, they started to warn me about something I had never heard of before, the Wendigo. They told me that the Wendigo was a dangerous creature that roamed the deep woods, preying on anyone who was foolish enough to venture into its territory. They warned me to stay away from the woods at night and to always be on the lookout for any signs of the creature. I didn't believe them, of course. I had seen my fair share of dangerous animals in the park, but I had never heard of anything like the Wendigo. I thanked them for their hospitality and went on my way, convinced that they were just trying to scare me. As I made my way back to the ranger station, the sun had already set, and the woods were shrouded in darkness. I heard strange noises coming from the trees, and I could feel a sense of unease creeping up on me. It was as if the forest itself was alive and watching me. And then, out of nowhere, I saw it, a creature that was unlike anything I had ever seen before. It was tall and emaciated, with long, bony limbs and piercing red eyes. It stood there, watching me, before disappearing into the woods. I was terrified. I had never felt so alone and vulnerable in my life. I tried to run, but I quickly realized that I was hopelessly lost. The woods seemed to stretch out in all directions and I had no idea which way to go. As the night wore on, the creature continued to haunt me, appearing and disappearing as if toying with me. I was cold, hungry, and scared out of my mind. And then, just as suddenly as it had started, it was over. The sun began to rise, and the creature was gone. When I finally made it back to the ranger station, I was a mess. I had never been so scared in my life, and I knew that I had come dangerously close to becoming the Wendigo's next victim. I tried to tell my colleagues what had happened, but they didn't believe me. They thought I was just tired and imagining things, but I knew what I had seen. And I knew that I would never forget the terror that I had experienced in those woods. From that day on, I made sure to listen to the warnings of the locals and to always be on the lookout for any signs of danger. Because in the deep woods of the park, you never know what might be lurking just beyond the trees. This was my boyfriend's experience, not my own. He grew up in Mesa, Arizona. Really early in the morning, when he was pretty young, he woke up and couldn't fall back asleep. He looked at the window of his bedroom, and there was a man-wolf crouched down on the driveway facing the window. He described it like a man with a wolf-skin-slash-head on top of him. He went back to bed, still couldn't fall asleep, so he went back to the window, and the creature was standing right there with glowing eyes peering into the window. He freaked out and crawled back into bed and just tried to go back to bed. Could have been a dream. I live on old native land in part of the Four Corners. Forty acres of very isolated property and there are so many artifacts, bones, arrowheads, worked rocks, etc. It's incredible. 
There are some cows that occasionally approach one side of the property line, and I like to go feed them with my siblings. Walk down to the fence with my sister, feeding the cows. I see this one that looks just utterly wrong. The angles are all wrong. The legs are slightly too long. It's too bony, sickly pale-ish color, weirdly angled joints. It was just wrong. My sister takes no notice of this cow, but it's watching me the whole time we feed the cows. As we turn to leave, I keep watching over my shoulder, and it stands up on two back hooves and sprints away up and over the hill and into the distance. It was so quick, covered hundreds of feet in seconds. I was 16 at the time. I was driving down a back road with my then boyfriend. He was asleep at the time. It was about 2 a.m. I was half asleep when I see a deer, but taller, standing on its hind legs. I almost crept myself as I slam on the brakes. We made eye contact. My boyfriend woke up from the G-force. He sees it and says, drive, drive now. I'm in panic as I shift into reverse. I speed backward for about five miles. I stopped because I hit something. It screamed. Human-like blood everywhere. I look in the rearview mirror. It was the same deer, but more humanly. We sped home and cleaned my truck the next day. I look in the cab of the truck, and I see an eyeball and an antler. I didn't get any photos because my phone was at home. <laughs>